Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 210, What is Your M.O.? It's February 11th, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. There is no longer any music for my podcast intros or outros. I request that you join the movement and get other podcasters and social media content creators to ditch the music when combined with voice, which makes it easier for people who have hearing loss or who are hard of hearing. End of non-musical intro. What is your MO? (laughs) And what do I even mean by MO? Well, before I dive in, visit my website, enter my giveaway. Nothing I say in this podcast or any of my other content is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. I do have transcripts on my hosting platform, rss.com. I apologize for the format. I'm working to correct that. If listening to this podcast right now, you are hopeless or you feel suicidal or you've been thinking about harming yourself, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. What is your MO? Well, MO, capital M, capital O, means modus operandi. And it's a noun. And what does modus operandi mean? Well, we talk about MO, but some people probably might not know what modus operandi means. Number one, it's a method of functioning or operating. Two, it's a person's manner of working. And number three, it's a person or thing's normal mode of operation. So we're talking in this podcast about a mode of operating or a mode of functioning. Is it helpful for you as a human being to understand how you operate? Well, I personally think it's very helpful. It is certainly and clearly a part of being self-aware and as such is a part of emotional intelligence, which is valuable. It can help you make decisions in life. It can help provide a guide for how you live life and what you're doing. It can help bring harmony into your life and your well-being and your mental and emotional state. I personally believe it's incredibly helpful. Some of you listening to this podcast right now are probably, or some of you, are in survival mode, which is extremely common and way more common than you might realize. If this applies to you and you happen to be in survival mode or you suspect that you're in survival mode, my request is that your first order of business is you start taking actions to move yourself out of survival mode. I've spent many years in survival mode. Many years I didn't even know I was in survival mode because how would how would you know that if you're not a therapist or somebody else? I don't know. But your first order of business is to start recognizing where you are. If you're in survival mode, don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, I'm in survival mode. It's time for me to do something different. This podcast may or may not be helpful to you if you're in survival mode. I really don't know. But I'm stating this for the record because this is not something we talk about. And it is very important that you understand I have a podcast on survival mode that will 
possibly quite likely help you. We, we are definitely not talking about the ways people function or the ways people operate. If you are like most people, you probably have many different ways that you operate, which would fall under attitudes, mentalities, beliefs, things that shape and form how you do life, which you may or may not be aware of. I'm going to give you some of the ways that I operate, my MOs, and I am not suggesting that you adopt my operating principles or the way that I operate. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. I have zero attachment to the ways that you function or the ways that you operate, other than to say, I hope, I hope you are being a good person because it would make me unhappy if you're a bad person doing bad things to other people. I would suggest if you're a bad person or you're doing bad things, clean that up. Because while I'm not an expert in karma, I certainly believe in karma. It's on my list to maybe research someday. So in this podcast, I have to say at the outset that I have been under the microscope in terms of the proverbial microscope in terms of how I operate and how I function, particularly since the summer of 2022, when I was told I had extraordinary emotional processing skills. I've never been trained in emotional processing. I had never read anything at that time about emotional processing, and I was blindsided by being told that I was not only good at it, I was extraordinary at it. So we began then in the last year and a half to deconstruct, how did I end up this way? How did I end up with those skills in particular because they're so rare and so unusual? So I have more clarity now than I did prior to the summer of 2022 Although, because I've been a constant and continual work in progress, starting at a young age with growth and development, many of the things I'm going to share as far as my MOs were known to me at a young age. And some of them, I'll tell you exactly where they came from and others not. So, I'm not suggesting you adopt any of these MOs. These are some of mine. Not all of mine, but a lot of mine. All right, number one, love and affection. If you're new to my podcast, you might not realize I love, love, love the word love, everything about love, and anything to do with love. It's literally my favorite word in the world. And the sources for me for love and affection as an operating principle or way that I function are many. It's not one source. One is religion or God, family, friends, neighbors. And then under the umbrella of operating from love and affection, there are some specific ways that I operate or function for me. So one of them is faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in the universe. I have faith in God's goodness and love and all things related to that. I have forgiveness as an operating principle, falling under love and affection, as is altruism, as is being a good person, trying to make my way to heaven, compassion for others, uplifting and encouraging others, which by the way, in the religious practices I have, we call that the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, belief in miracles and prayers answered and trust. So that's a lot of different ways to operate underneath the umbrella of love and affection. Number two, health and wellness. 
<laughs> you might have heard in a previous podcast that at a young age, at a young age, maybe ten or twelve in that genre, I made a conscious decision. I was looking out my bedroom window, I had sick with a cold missing out on a party, that I made a decision looking out that window that I wasn't going to be sick anymore. Prior to that moment, I had a sickly history as a child with starting at 18 months getting allergy shots, which was hardly the norm then and it's certainly not the norm now. I had frequent colds and infections in addition to the allergies and I was underweight. I would not qualify as a healthy child. Now, having made that decision, looking back, it's very interesting because I'm extremely healthy. Knock on wood, I'm going to make the sign of the cross. I'll say Hail Mary later. But there are things that I actually do in this umbrella of operating from health and wellness. And so here's uh, five of them. One, I subscribe to the mind-body connection, which we now know is called psychoneuroimmunology. Even back in the day, I had the intuitive sense that my emotions and my body were connected. I've talked about that in several podcasts. My ability to sleep really well and my commitment to being a good sleeper, diet, vitamins, exercise, self-care, and then the fifth one is boundaries, assertiveness, and good coping strategies. So those are all things that fall under the health and wellness umbrella. But I have an expectation I will be healthy and well until the day I die. And I am doing things to make sure that that happens. Even though I'm still recovering from a nearly fatal car accident, I'm doing very well, people. All right, the third way I operate is understanding others, seeking first to understand. As a young child, I spent thousands of hours, thousands literally, talking to elderly neighbors. (laughs) And who knows what we were talking about? We had to be talking about good things. We had to be because I kept going back to sit on the porch. And and even long before I heard Stephen Covey and talk, uh, God rest his soul, or I don't even know if I read the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't think that I did. Um, it's been my way that I operate to try to understand other people, their behavior, how they feel. That's like part of like my wiring. We're not exactly sure where all that came from. Number four, being playful and having fun. Well, this one you should be aware of if you've listened to enough of my podcast. And you might also remember, as I said in a previous podcast or podcasts, that I made that decision as a high schooler, looking out the window into the quad, sitting in a classroom, having observed adults in my life for some period of time that was people that I babysat for both you know the couples that I babysat for uh, teachers administration all kinds of people I was observing and I made this decision that I did not want to be a stick in the mud I could have serious goals but also be playful and fun So we know where that came from. Number five, authenticity and being real. And as a young child, we're not exactly sure of the age of this, but very young, probably under five, I made a decision to be the best person I could possibly be and try to get to heaven and to heck with anybody else who didn't like me. Like if you're trying to get to heaven and you're being a good person, does it matter what anybody else says? No. 
to the point, this is to the level that by seventh grade, I decided that if I wore my headgear to school for my braces, I would get my head, my braces off significantly faster. Well, that was according to the orthodontist. He said, oh, heck yeah, you'll probably get them off a year and a half, two years earlier. It will make a huge difference. So in seventh grade, I wore my headgear to junior high. Now you can imagine that like people were like, oh my God, she is so weird. Like, well, people said all kinds of things. Who cares? I didn't, I didn't care. I, and I got my braces off sooner than people who had their braces on a year or two before me so i don't really care what people think of me what i care about is being my true self and my real self and of course operate from love and affection all the other things number six social justice and inclusion this is a way of operating that probably we've traced stems from being excluded and bullied which i've talked about and mistreated i am for sure a social justice warrior which could also come from a religious vein because god is a social justice person so making the world a better place falls in line with social justice and inclusion number seven truth also coming from a young age finding the truth and getting to the truth has been important to me i can't exactly say the origins or what were the precipitating factors but this is absolutely a core value and operating principle eight growth and development or now we have carol dweck's terminology a growth mindset well we know we know for sure that by the age of 15 or before i was reading some very adult uh, self-help books if you will which which came up in the last two months when someone posted a picture from the yearbook high school yearbook of me at the library and we figured out what book I was reading which I'm not going to share but it was a little shocking to me so growth and development has been part of my life for as long as I can remember and underneath the umbrella of the growth mindset or growth and development is emotional intelligence and emotional abilities and secondly, using emotional pain to my advantage, which we now know, we learned in the last two years or so, that that principle, using emotional pain to your advantage, is called post-traumatic growth. Number nine, character integrity. Well, without getting into details, we know that I was operating as someone who had character and integrity at a very young age and i'm going to leave it there now there are additional ways or things under the umbrella of operating from character and integrity for example taking the hybrid if you're going to operate from being a person with character and integrity you would naturally then take the high road it goes without saying you would not do vengeful, spiteful, vindictive things. No, you wouldn't gossip. You would be focused on being kind and being a good person. Number 10, being kind to myself and standalone self-esteem. Although we're not exactly sure at what age it was established, looking at past events, conversations, and situations involving others, what has been made clear is that as a young child, I had, by whatever happened, standalone self-esteem. And, and we suspect that there's just many, many things that came together to have that happen. Number 11, create, creating my future. Well, 
I'll tell you what, we know from age 12 on, who knows before, that I was actively setting goals to make my life more beautiful and, and create my future. Now, at 12, I set a goal to redo my room. Okay, now come on people, I'm 12. So what did I do? So I painted my room, which made it of course look pretty new. I bought some fabric and covered a, a bench that was at a little vanity and, and put up some frame things, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I created a, a, a different future. We also know, starting at age five, that I was creating a future where I would have a sister and I prayed for one for seven years and then got one. So we know that I'm a fan of creating your future and I've been actively engaged in it. Under the umbrella of creating your future for me, as an operating principle or way that I function is thinking and dreaming big. For me, I suspect that this came later from a conversation I had with my mother after she had been reading or listening to an audiobook or something about thinking big. At the same time, my mother did point out that some of the things that I had done in life were already falling under the umbrella of thinking or dreaming big. So we don't know exactly where that all stemmed from or how that got put together. She's not wrong. She wasn't wrong to say, I mean, God rest her soul. She wasn't wrong to say that things I did in high school or college or post-college were thinking big, but I didn't necessarily have that distinction at the time. It wasn't, in other words, it wasn't intentional. So that is 11 different ways that I operate from or MOs with many um, under the umbrella terms of those 11 different ways of operating. And I could go on. So you likely have some ways of operating. When you are in life and you bump up against an issue or a problem, sometimes the underpinning is that you and another person have conflicting operating principles or MOs. Now, I say that because there was someone in an organization, all details removed, that I, I was really, the more I got to know this person, the more I was really struggling. And, and it, eventually, I put it together. First of all, they were unkind. They were really mean to people. So that was a problem from the way I operate. Secondly, they were very discriminatory. And that's to me, is appalling. That's a no-go. Now, you don't get to discriminate against anyone for any reason in my circle in my space that's that's just not okay not a tolerable and and they were a horrible leader to people underneath them i mean it was it was brutal so the ways that i operate in life or my mo's were in complete conflict with how this other person operated so that was helpful because then i could say hey i'm out that's, that is not okay with me. That is, no, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to participate in that. And, and, you know, there was a little upset that I wouldn't continue with the organization and working with that person. And I didn't care because listen, you don't get to be mean to people, discriminate, like you don't just, that's not okay. And, and I do understand you're not going to change people. People have to change themselves. So, 
are the ways that you operate and function in life, are they serving you? I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good place to start. There may be some areas where how you operate or your MO or how you function aren't exactly nurturing and serving you. If that's the case, then it wouldn't be bad to consider a different MO. In this podcast, I've given you lots of things to think about as far as potential operating MOs. I've, I've given you a good, healthy, robust list in my humble opinion. So I'm not going to give you a list of suggestions for MOs for yourself because that's a highly personal, extremely personal decision that would be based on your beliefs, your attitudes, your mindsets, your experiences, the way that you think or the way that you don't think. That is way too personal for me to remotely even attempt to make suggestions. My only caveat though is it might be helpful to you to understand your MOs. It might be, particularly if you have an operating principle or a way that you function that is not helping you. That would be helpful because then you could get in underneath that and make a shift. We know from neuroplasticity of the brain, you can change anything about yourself, your personality, the way you do life, including your operating principles through intentional actions or stimuli or stimulus over time. We know that. So I hope this has been helpful. I I have a little tiny smidgen of hope that you will use this to empower yourself and, and dismantle any disempowering MOs you have. I mean, there are some people who have, uh, they're never going to be healthy. Well, that's not an empowering way to operate. You can do that. And we have people who do that. Or you could think that the world is out to get you. That's another way to live. You can live however you want. I'm just merely suggesting that there are some ways of operating that might be more helpful depending on where you're at in life. I do love you. Hang in there for now. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 210, What is Your M.O.? Well, I don't know what your M.O. is, but you now know a lot of mine. (laughs) I request that you share this podcast on social media so we can get people engaged in having the best life possible. I love you. Hang in there for now.